Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Florence and I became best friends when we laid eyes on each other the first time, I think. And our kids, you know, our boy, we have two boys that are joined at the hip and have been for years. You know, our kids all grew up together. So the Sackensers are very, very dear people in our lives. Um, thank you so much for letting me be here tonight. And before I go any further, Solace, thank you so much for what you shared. And your heart and your story is going to have a huge impact on people, a huge impact. So just keep saying it the way it was. I mean, you, you just do what you did tonight and you're going to have a huge impact on people. So thank you for that. I appreciate that very much. Um, you know, when Florence told me that you guys wanted a class on hope, I thought, what a timely subject. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this last year has been hopeless for, for uh, at times, hasn't it? I mean, there have been days that it has been pretty hopeless. I mean, we've been dealing with the pandemic and death and social injustice and, you know, a, a very traumatic political situation. And, you know, at, at the best, it's been overwhelming and challenging. On the worst days, it's been terrifying and tragic. But that's, that's where I've been this year anyway, you know, and I've had good days and bad days. You know, I've had days that I thought, okay, we can do this. And then I've had days where I just felt like, you know, it was too much. It was just too much. Um, so I think we definitely need to spend some time thinking about hope and what that means. Um, I'm going to start out with just a basic definition. This is just Webster's online. All right. Oh, I'm, we're going to share screen. All right. Uh, can everybody see that? Okay. All right. So let's just start out with a basic definition of hope. Um, the definition is hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. And some similar words that they give in the definition are aspiration, desire, ambition, and aim. And I really like aim. I think that's a, a good one to kind of keep in your mind. You know, of course, being a psychologist, the first thing I did when Florence gave me this assignment is I started to do some research on hope and come to find out, unbeknownst to me, who's been a psychologist for 40 plus years, there's an entire body, there's an entire branch of psychology that's called hope theory where psychologists have studied hope and what effects it has and how it, how it, how it helps people. Um, there's a, a psychologist by the name of Charles Snyder that started this whole branch of psychology and hope theory. Um, you know, it's interesting because I love every now and then psychology catches up to what God has been talking about for centuries, you know? And, and I love it when that happens. I mean, it hasn't happened much in psychology, but every now and then there's a look, there's some parts where you, you look at what the psychological research is saying and you go, oh, that's been in the Bible for centuries. That's been in the Bible. 
Um, you know, Dr. Snyder's psychological definition of hope, and I'm just gonna read this for you, is a positive cognitive state based on the sense of successful goal-directed determination and planning to meet these goals. You know, there's a lot of big old psychological words in that definition. You know, what we figured out as psychologists is the more, the more complex the words are, the more you can charge for them. So that's why, that, that's why those definitions read that way. But we're going to try to unpack that a little bit tonight and, and see if we can get something practical out of this. You know, um, I've read a couple of the books on hope theory. And what the research indicates is that human beings spend a lot of time thinking about the future. And we're really the only ones that do this. You know, my cat, who is probably asleep here somewhere, she's not worried about tomorrow or next week or next month. You know, she's not even worried about until it's dinner time. She's not even worried about the next meal. You know, at dinner time, two minutes before she gets worried about it. But she doesn't have the ability to project herself into the future. You know, animals don't have that capability. But as human beings, we do that. And the research says we do that a lot. We do it a lot. And it talks about that there are three fundamental ways that we think about the future. The first is fantasizing or daydreaming. Um, you know, this is, when, this is when I fantasize about winning the lottery and paying off all my kids' student loans, all right? Now, the fact of the matter is, I have never in my life bought a lottery ticket, and I wouldn't know what to do if I did buy one. So when I fantasize, when I go by the billboard that says how many millions of dollars is in the lottery, and I fantasize about what I'm going to do with that money, that's just wishful thinking. You know, there, there's, nothing, there's nothing concrete there at all. Um, but we all have those, don't we? I mean, you all have your daydreams or your, you know, where you just think, oh my gosh, how great that would be if this happened. But there's, it, it has nothing to do with our reality. Uh, the second way we think about the future is by dwelling or worrying about the future. You know, this is when we hyper-focus our thinking on all the bad things that could happen in the future. And oh my gosh, how much time do we waste on this? You know, for me, this is where my mind automatically goes when I can't sleep at night. And I'm not a good sleeper. I've never been a good sleeper. So I've been up at three and four and five a lot in my life. And if I'm not careful, this is where Satan is going to take me. You know, I'm going to think of all the terrible things that could possibly happen in the future if, if I don't control my thoughts. You know, I've trained myself to review what I'm studying in the Bible or think about the miracles of Jesus or trying to keep myself from going down that rabbit hole of worrying about the future because we can make ourselves miserable. And I do think Satan uses this against us a lot if we let ourselves go there. You know, the third part of, of and the third way of thinking about the future is what in the research is called hoping. And this is kind of the perfect balance between fantasizing and worrying. You know, this is when you have exciting thoughts about what might happen in the future, but you still acknowledge the challenges that are set before you. You know, according to this hope theory, this is the only productive type of future thinking is hoping. Um, so let's talk about first, why is hope important? What does it do for us? You know, the research on hope has some pretty amazing findings. 
it found that there's a 12% gain in academic performance when you're hopeful. They gave students questionnaires to try to measure their levels of hope and found out that high hope students have a lower dropout rate, better grades, and are more likely to graduate than low hope students. There's a 14% increase in workplace outcomes. High hope workers are absent from the job list and have higher productivity and higher sales rates than low hope workers. You know, in one study, hopeful people tolerated pain almost twice as long as people who were less hopeful. Hope produces better health outcomes. You know, the research indicates that hope for the future is clearly linked with daily habits that support good health, like eating a healthy diet and exercising and keeping your medical appointments. You know, people who are hopeless don't do those things. You know, people who are hopeful try to do those things to keep themselves healthy. The research indicates that hopeful people live longer. Um, there's a medical researcher by the name of Steven Stein who studied 795 people between the ages of 64 to 70, so older people. And one of the questions he asked them is, are you hopeful about the future? 91% said yes, and 9% said no. And then he followed these people for the next 20 years to see what happened to them. And the interesting thing is that he kind of balanced the groups for, they, they had very similar medical profiles. You know, there was the same rate of cancer. There was the same rate of heart disease. There was the same rate of diabetes. Um, and when all of those differences were controlled in the study, the people who said they were hopeless were more than twice as likely to die in that period of time than their hopeless peers. So hope does some real things. We are built as human beings by God to, to need hope. We need to be hopeful. It does some real things in our, in our health, in the way that we interact with the world, and the way that we deal with things that, that has some very positive uh, effects. Um, if, you, if you are interested, by the way, that some of the research, a lot of the research has used what is called the adult trait hope scale. And you can Google that online and, and give yourself that little test to see how hopeful you are. You know, so you, you kind of see if you're, do I fall in the hopeful group or the hopeless group? So let's talk about how you become more hopeful. The first thing that the research found out is that you need to set up, set up a realistic goal for the future. You know, what is something that you're passionate about? What is something that you would love to see happen this year or change this year? You know, it could be something very small, like, you know, I wanna exercise more regularly. I need to watch my health. And so I need to, I need to figure out a regular exercise program. Or, or it could be something much more impactful, like I want to help improve the local school system for the kids in my community, you know? So it could be, you could be taking on a small goal or a big goal, but the important thing is to make it as specific as you can and to define it in as much detail as you can. The second part of being hopeful is what they call agency. And this is when you sit down and you figure out, okay, what are the specific steps I'm gonna need to take in order to reach my goal? Um, you know, when am I going to get started on this? 
And one of the important ones in the research is when and where am I going to begin? So let's take this exercise thing because it's easy to illustrate. You know, if your goal is I want to start a regular exercise program, then you sit down and you figure out, okay, what kind of exercise am I going to do? How many times a week am I going to do it? When am I going to start? I'm going to start this Saturday at 10 o'clock by doing whatever it is you decide to do. And what the research found out is that people who, who do these very detailed plans um, are, are still working on their goals longer than people that don't. The people that just talk about, you know, sit on the couch and talk about, oh, I need to exercise more. You know, so it, you've got to get down into the details of it. That's what the agency is talking about. And then the third thing is what they call pathways. And this is what, when you sit down and you figure out, what am I actually going to need to accomplish this goal? Um, is it going to cost me money? Am I going to have to join a gym? I don't know if your gyms are open or not. Ours are kind of semi-opened, you know. But, I, you know, do I need to buy exercise equipment? Do I need a new pair of running shoes if I'm going to start exercising regularly? Um, you know, what kind of resources do I need? Do I need to go out and buy some weights? And, and the other one is who can hold me accountable to this goal? Who are the people that will help me reach this goal? Um, you know, this is the phase where you also sit down and you figure out, okay, what are the obstacles gonna be to this? You know, because as we know, you never reach a goal without there being some twists and turns in it, right? And never, never happens. You know, so you you, you try to figure out, okay, my, my plan A is I'm gonna walk you know, I, I love walking. So I'm going to walk three times a week for four miles, you know, so that's my goal. Okay. Um, but what happens when it rains? What am I going to do when it rains and it's 30 degrees outside and I can't get outside and walk? That's plan B. All right. What am I going to do at that time? You know, so you, you figure out, okay, what are some of the challenges? What are some of the obstacles? And you come up with plan A, plan B and plan C you know, so that nothing is going to keep me from this goal. I've just got to figure out how to, how to tweak what I'm doing so that I'm still working towards the goal. Um, you know, again, is there somebody that can be my exercise partner? Um, my daughters, my, my youngest daughter has lost a lot of weight in the last couple of years, and she's become very fitness and nutrition um, focused. And so she's helping her older sister, you know, they have paired up and they don't exercise together because uh, my older daughter has two little kids, so they can't do it together all the time, but they do the same exercise routine every day. And every week they schedule, this is what we're gonna do on Monday, this is what we're gonna do on Tuesday. And then they talk about how did you, what, did you like that program? What did you think of it? Was it hard for you? You know, so you figure out who can pair with me to keep me aimed towards this goal that I've set for myself. You know, as you can tell, this type of this type of planning is very different than just the wishful thinking or the fantasizing, right? You know, this is putting some bones on your hope, you know, that I want to see this thing happen in my life. How am I going to get from where I am right now to there? Um, so that's kind of in a nutshell, that's kind of the worldly thinking on hope. That's kind of what hope theory is all about in psychology. Um, now, let's see what God says about hope. You know, if you if you go to Bible Gateway, which is one of my favorite places to be, and you put in the word hope, 
there are 180 occurrences of the word hope in the in the NIV. So God talks a lot about hope in the Bible. You know, that was a concept that was important to God long before psychologists ever thought about it, right? So, so hope is something that God has put in us to be very important. You know, and as Christians, I don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong for us to hope for things in this world to happen in our lives in this world. In fact, I think God wants us to do that. Um, you know, I think about the, the verse in Ephesians 2, where it talks about the good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. And I don't know about you, but I, as I get older, especially, I pray more and more about that. You know, I just, just days ago turned 65 years old. Thank you, Jesus, <laughs> that I got that far. Um, and I'm kind of semi-retired. You know, I only work at the clinic a couple of days a week and I have a small private practice. So I'm not working like I was working 10 years ago. But I believe that there are still good works that God has prepared in advance for me to do. And I'm not sure exactly what that looks like in semi-retirement, but I pray about it a lot. You know, God, what is it that you still want me doing? What are the things that you still put me on this earth to accomplish? So I think we need to do that. I mean, I think we need to be asking God, you know, what, what are the what are the goals that you want for me, you know, that, that I need to be hoping for? Um, you know, as Christians, though, our hope goes way beyond what worldly hopes the theory is talking about. You know, we have a hope that outlasts our life on earth, right? You know, it's, we, we hope for things here on this earth, but we have a hope that goes farther than that. Um, and look at Hebrews 6, starting at verse 16. It says, men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments. God, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confined it with an oath, confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. And I love that phrase, and I'm glad Michael found a graphic for me to go with this. You know, the hope, the hope that we have hope as an anchor for our soul, you know, because of Jesus, we have that hope, you know, and if you think about it, you know, I don't know how many of you have ever, I, I grew up, my family had a little boat. We went out on the lake on a little boat. And I remember picking up the anchor and throwing it over, you know, to keep the boat from from floating away when we're eating lunch or whatever, you know. So if you think about a physical anchor and what it does for a boat, you know, how it, how it, it holds it in place. Um, you know, the, the anchor on a boat goes down to the lake, the bottom of the lake or the bottom of the ocean. But this says our hope, our anchor goes up into the heavenly realm and it kind of moors us to Christ. You know, it, it secures us in Christ. You know, what an amazing thought that is. You know, that should make us feel hopeful. 
is to know that we are secured in Christ. We are anchored to Christ, no matter what happens in this life, no matter what occurs to us in this world, that we have that hope. Um, you know, scripture talks about several things connected to hope and, and several teaches us several things about hope. You know, ultimately we are to put our hope in God. Um, in Psalm 33 and verse 18, it says, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Then in Psalm 62, it says, find rest on my soul in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. You know, these scriptures teach us that our hope needs to be in God and that our hope comes from God. You know, and if you think about who God is, you know, how powerful he is and how faithful he is and how merciful he is, how compassionate and how loving, um, you know, I think one of the biggest comforts this year to me, and, and, and I know Michael and I prayed about that a lot this year, is knowing that God is sovereign. You know, God is still in control. Pandemic presidential elections, social injustice, whatever, you know, whatever comes next, God is sovereign and he is still in charge. And, and this should give us great hope. You know, I love the scripture. I've spent a lot of time in Isaiah this year that, that has just, for some reason, Isaiah has just been a big comfort to me this year. Um, but it talks about God calling out the stars by name, you know, I mean, that's who God is. You know, I mean, if he can do that, he can take care of whatever we're facing, you know, in, in this life. You know, the second thing is that in the Bible, God encourages us to put our hope in his promises. In Romans 4, verse 18, it says, against all hope, Abraham and hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. You know, what, what promises of God do you need to take hold of? And put your hope in right now. You know, I mean, we've memorized a lot of God's promises, but I think from time to time, we need to focus on some of those specifically and say, that's the promise that I'm clinging to. God, I'm going to hold you at your word because I am fully persuaded that you have the power to do what you promised. You know, and it, I love I love the scripture because it talks about Abraham faced the facts of his situation. He, he was not deluded in the fact that he was 100 years old and his wife was also old. He saw the challenges there, but he held on to that promise of God in spite of that. You know, I think I think in this, this is where, again, we need each other so much sometimes, you know, because the fact is we do get hopeless sometimes, right? We do get in situations where we feel like this is just hopeless. Yeah, yes, I know what the Bible says, but I just feel hopeless about this. You know, this is when we need to borrow hope from each other. You know, this is when you need to ask another sister, 
pray about this with me because I, I just can't, I don't know that I can pray about this anymore. I don't know that I see an end to this anymore. You know, so this is where we need to share our hope with each other in, in this way. You know, I think the last thing we need to do is to get active and start working to make our hope a reality. Um, in Hebrews 11, it says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And it's interesting. I read a lot of commentaries on this scripture and faith and hope are obviously related in some way, but they're a little bit different. Um, and one of the one of the commentaries I read said that uh, faith says that it is so now that I believe that it is so now and hope says in the future, it, it could be so. So there's a little bit of difference there. You know, I believe now that God is in control. I believe now that God is in control, but my hope is that in the future, he will answer this prayer that I'm praying. You know, it's interesting if you read through Hebrews 11 and everybody's familiar with that, that chapter, you know, about the heroes in the faith. But one of the things I had never noticed before I started doing this study was how many action words are in that chapter. You know, if you read through there, you know, the saints were not just sitting around with their faith and not doing anything. You know, they were doing things, you know, read through there and just mark all the verbs, you know, of what they were doing. They were acting on their faith and their hope, you know. And so I think that's what we've got to focus on, that, that hope is not just sitting around again, just wishful thinking, but I've got to get active in what I'm hoping for. You know, I've got to get active in it. And the last thing is we can't forget prayer, which, which I think is one of our most hopeful um, actions, you know, and it is an action. It is a verb. It is a, it, we are doing something when we're praying. You know, in James 5, it says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You know, so we've got to put prayer into this equation of whatever we're hoping for. You know, if I can't do anything else, I can get down on my knees and pray. That is, that is me acting on this hope that I have, you know, that, that God is going to work in this situation. Um, that's kind of the thoughts I wanted to share with you guys tonight about hope. And I want to leave you with just a challenge. I want you to think about something that you wish would happen this year, this year. I mean, we've kind of come off this year of not knowing you know, not knowing how to manage ourselves, not knowing that things are beginning, we're beginning to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. You know, people are getting vaccinated, things are opening up a little bit. I don't know about you guys yet in Connecticut, but we've got springtime here, kind of, you know, the trees are blooming and, you know, and, it, and it's beginning to look much more hopeful than it's been in the last few months. So think about something that you hope will happen this year. How can you make that a specific goal? You know, what steps can you take to work towards that hope? And who can, who can you enlist to help you with it? You know, and then I want you to start praying about that hope and see what God can do when we try to put our faith into action. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.